week are we? Let's let's take a look at the calendar. I, I don't is, know what day it is. Like, don't. It's don't the do this. third week <laughs> of spooked. Well, technically, three and a half weeks. Okay. Because we started mm-hmm. on a Thursday. Yes, that's right. That's right. Today, as in the day of uh, this episode coming out, not the day that we're recording, is Elliot's birthday. <gasps> it is. Oh, and I just had a brief heart attack that i hadn't sent elliot anything and then i remembered that i did because for the first time in my entire life and all of my other friends that are listening to this are going to get real pissed at me i remembered to do it early wow <laughs> that that is a sign of becoming an adult <laughs> not like two fucking months after i think i still owe you a birthday gift no it's a housewarming know. gift no it's a housewarming gift because i was just talking to michael i was like oh we gotta get them something no. he was like for what i was like for their housewarming gift he was like we got them a housewarming gift. I was like, no, we didn't. We, we still in, like, gotta two do years that. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you one of those giant baby Yoda things from Costco that are going viral on TikTok right now. I don't have TikTok. I'm not one of the kids. I don't know. I don't see things. I'm, I'm one of the kids, but I didn't hear about it until my sister, the business major, went to Costco and bought, I think, five or six she like cleared out their baby Yodas and was selling them to people on her college campus. <laughs> I didn't watch The Mandalorian, so I've oh. seen pictures of Baby Yoda. He's kind of cute, but like he's real fucking cute. I don't he's get super the whole thing. cute. You 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 gotta you gotta do it. I wasn't so sure about it either at first, but like Baby Yoda, he he has his ways. Uh, real quick before we jump into the episode, but I was telling Elliot this the other day. Um, I was reading an article. It was like some BuzzFeed article, and it was like celebrity Instagrams from like the week. I <laughs> have never felt so fucking old. I clicked on that article, and I'm like, who's this bitch? Who's this bitch? Who's this bitch? Like, I didn't know fucking anybody. I was like, who are these children? These are like oh, TikTok people. Like, who? Yep. The hype What house. do they do? They hype. Uh, I don't <laughs> like what the world has become. And I, I, want I don't it to like be what the world has become again. either, to be fair. Uh, <sighs> Emma Chamberlain wore See, I don't know, I don't know wide that. leg leggings. So I went out and bought wide leg leggings. And I suggest that everybody go out Aren't wide and leg buy leggings wide pants? leg leggings. They're fucking yoga pants. And I, pants. I my, my friend tweeted this the other day and I was like, I'm going to check myself into the retirement home now. That's yeah. it. That's it. We're done here. <sighs> We're quitting to move to the retirement home. Well, You've heard it here first. Actually, this ties into the topic of the episode back when things were so. simpler, a much simpler time. <laughs> I and don't remember. you know what a simpler time was? The I, year, again, no. The year 1999. Oh. <sighs> y2k yeah we're on the verge of y2k hell yeah horror movies are making a resurgence and guess what horror movie comes out this year um oh this year not in 1999 no in 1999 we're in 1999 right now we're we've transported back um i mean possibly uh but the movie that we're talking about right now is the blair witch project uh, <laughs> you visibly changed your face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw this assumption out it. there and say that you've never seen The Blair Witch Project. 
I don't think that's an assumption. I don't think that's an assumption that needs to be made. I'm pretty sure that's a known fact. If it's got more than like a G rating, I haven't seen it. This is also going to be my new game when I talk about um, anything spooky, scary, haunted. Skeletons. Yes. Um, what is your knowledge base of the Blair Witch Project? What What have you gathered through pop culture spheres of what this is? Having never right. seen it. All right. So it's a found footage movie. Uh-huh. That kind. It kind of like set the set the precedence for found footage movies and that you can make something really good with just like a camera that you can hold and a skeleton crew, if any, and blow it the fuck up, a la Paranormal Activity is another one that is in the similar vein that I also have not seen. Yes. Um, (laughs) Which comes as a surprise to approximately no one. Um, So yeah, so there's this this witch, her name is Blair. as the title would suggest. Okay. 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 <laughs> she she's awoken probably somehow, presumably by the hikers. Pretty sure it's two dudes, one chi- one chick. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Not okay, hikers, okay. but okay. sure. Go ahead. Sure. And she's I know she Blair. apologizes to their parents. She apologizes to the boys' parents. I know that. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. She she has she mm-hmm. has things to apologize for. Don't know what, women, we apologize enough. Um and the Blair Witch kills them. Uh-huh. In what fashion? The killing kind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> through, through, through magic. <laughs> we're going to play... A um, little stabby stab? If you want to watch our... We're going to have a live stream on Halloween night. <laughs> uh, we're going to watch a horror movie. Somewhere during an intermission, we're going to have Caitlin badly explain a horror movie, and you have to guess what it is, because this is my favorite thing in the entire world. None of that information was correct. Um, <laughs> none of it I mean there's bits and pieces that are like eh, I guess I can make the argument that that works but so um, the witch is not Blair no the witch's name is not Blair well then why would they call it the Blair witch can you the town let me Blair? talk about the episode and then I'll get to it oh I forgot this was your podcast too yeah <laughs> so um, you are right that it, it basically launched what is now known as the found footage uh genre of horror but it is not the first there was a movie i don't know if this i don't even know if this one was actually the first but cannibal holocaust is usually referred to as like Uh. like the like the first found footage uh um horror movie it's from the 1980s um and it's just as horrifying as blair witch anything that's found footage any shaky cam shit Mm-mm. 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 they shake i shake that's it yeah so um but it, it basically brought it into more pop culture i believe cannibal holocaust was an italian film possibly and sure. um blair witch project very much an american film oh yeah it's massachusetts massachusetts maryland fuck <laughs> it's one of those it's an state it's an M state <laughs> Anyway, on the East Coast. So for Caitlin and for anybody else uh, that doesn't know, the synopsis of the movie is as follows. Quote, found video footage tells the tale of three film students, not hikers, 
Heather mm. Donahue, Joshua Leonard, Michael C. Williams, who've traveled to a small town to collect documentary footage about the Blair Witch, a legendary local murderer. Over the course of several days, the students interview townspeople and gather clues to support the tale's veracity, but the project takes a frightening turn when the students lose their way in the woods and begin hearing horrific noises, end quote. That's the oh. general synopsis of the movie, and as we'll get to, basically all the actors had to work on. There was no script. So Okay. Uh, overall, the movie has a Rotten Tomato score of 86%. Audience score of 56%, which I was actually surprised by. Huh. Google score of 80%, and a 6.5 out of 10 on uh, IMDb. And the critics' consensus is, quote, Full of creepy campfire scares, Mock Doc, the Blair Witch Project, keeps audiences in the dark about its titular villain, proving once more that imagination can be as scary as anything on screen, end quote. Which is very true. Because yeah. uh, you never see the witch. Spoiler alert, if you've never seen it. Uh, the witch is never actually I seen. I haven't seen it. I know. That makes sense. I'm going to explain all of this to you. But why isn't her name Blair? they got the name from i don't know if i have it here in my notes i remember reading it while i was uh looking for more information but i believe they said that they got the name from a high school that somebody's sibling went to like blair high school Mm. somewhere if anybody else knows message that over to me but um pretty sure that's where they got the actual name from it's blair warner from facts of life no uh (laughs) I believe this has been um, unseated by paranormal activity, but uh, for a very, very long time, The Blair Witch Project was the highest grossing film of all time, which means it was made for very little and all the money that it took in was uh, exponentially more than what they paid to actually get the movie done. Which is what you aim for when making a movie. Yeah, but a crazy amount. I think, I don't know... Uh, again, as I was researching this, all the information for Paranormal Activity and like all these other found footage movies like Wreck, like all these things started coming up. I read in one article that I that Paranormal Activity was uh, filmed for like $15,000. I don't know if that's true or not. Impressive if it is. Uh, but I'll get to all the, um, the breakdown of the cost of uh, Blair Witch Project as we get to it. But starting with the filming... So, development of the Blair Witch Project began in 1993. Oh! Yeah, so it didn't come out until 99, so... That's a minute. Yeah, it took a while. So, while film students of the University of Central Florida, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, were inspired to make the film after realizing that found footage documentaries on paranormal phenomenon are scarier than traditional horror films, which, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. that is correct. (laughs) Because if it looks like you filmed it yourself, you can really put yourself in that in those shoes. It's not like filmed from uh, from some third party omniscient uh, angle that you can right. never get to. It's filmed from your actual face, like as you're turning around, like it's horrifying. Yeah. So they decided to create a film that combined uh, both of those styles of filming. It's horror, paranormal found footage, just everything that you can think of that's scary, put it into one thing. Okay. And in order to produce the project, they, along with Greg Hale, Robbie Cowie, uh, Robin Cowie, and Michael Manello started Haxon Films. And the namesake for the production company is Benjamin Christensen's 1922 silent documentary film, 
I think it's pronounced Haxon. It's got the two little umlauts over the, the A. Hoxon. Oh, then I think it's Haxon. Haxon? I think so. Well, in I English, think the it translates. The umlauts is A. In English, it translates to witchcraft through the ages. And it's actually uh, a public, dom- public domain horror movie. So you can find oh. it online. Yeah. I saw that while I was uh, scrolling through our options for our live stream. Hey. Um, Which will be up soon. It will be up soon. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll talk more about it at the end of the episode. Yes. But in an article in The Guardian, Myrick said, quote, I grew up around the woods and swamps of Florida. For a long time, I had this idea of seeing stick figures hanging from a tree, and it creeped the hell out of me. Ed Sanchez, a friend from university who ended up co-directing, helped me work this into a 35-page treatment about three students who go missing after heading out into the Maryland woods to make a documentary about a legendary witch. The idea was that the film was put together later using the footage that they actually shot. In the late 90s, with digital coming into its own, it was only a matter of time before someone made this kind of first-person movie, end quote. So they were yeah. they were also like especially at this time like in the late 90s they're really like ahead of the curve saying like right. we can make this big movie for a little bit of money and make it look like it was filmed I mean make it look like it was it cost like 10 bucks or yeah. whatever to film but actually put like a lot of time and effort and love into this and make it into something that is really going to be impactful. Right. So a casting call advertisement was placed in Backstage Magazine, which is like an actor's yep. magazine. Yep. Magazine. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> takes $125 of my money every year. Yeah. Uh, the directors put <laughs> this ad in uh, June 1996, asking for actors with strong improvisational abilities. Yep. The informal improvisational audition process narrowed it down to a pool of 2,000 actors. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, according to one of the stars... Uh, Heather Donahue auditions for the film were held at musical theater works in New York city. The advertisement said a completely improvised feature would be shot in a wooded location. Oh, yep. So that's all you really had to go on. Yep. Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest as a lady, I don't think I would have been as brave as Heather going, Oh, shooting by myself in the woods with people i've never met before sounds good yeah well funny you say that because the original plan was for it to be three guys they never intended on having a girl in this movie so score one for feminism yeah um but the director said that they had to cast donahue after what happened during her audition so basically Uh, the audition was like this improvisational thing and uh, I don't know if the advertisement said that this was going to be a horror movie, but they asked like some intense questions to kind of get some intense answers out of these people. Yeah. So they asked the actors, uh, you've served seven years of a nine year sentence. Uh, why should we let you out on parole? That's what they asked all the, all the people coming into the audition. And Heather Donahue said, quote, I probably shouldn't be released. End quote. So. Oh, yeah. Think of that right off the dome. Super scary. You want to know more? Perfect. So they were like, this girl has to be in it. She's perfect. So the idea for the beginning development started in 1993. Casting was in 1996. Pre-production began on October 5th, 1997. And uh, Michael Manello came the co-producer at this point. And in developing the mythology behind the film... The creators use many inspirations. Um, for instance, several characters are near anagrams. Uh, Ellie Kedward, oh. who is actual like the name of the Blair Witch, 
um, is an, an kind of an anagram for Edward Kelly, who is a 16th century mystic. And then uh, Rustin Parr, who's another part of the Blair Witch uh, fake legend. Um, he was like a fictional 1940s child murderer. Oh! Yeah. Um, that's an anagram for Rasputin. So oh. kind of throwing in some funky little Easter eggs in there. Yeah, we like the Easter eggs. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Blair Witch is said to be, according to the legend, the ghost of Ellie Kedward, uh, who is a woman that was bla- bleh, banished from Blair Township, uh, which would be today's Burkittsville, which is where they go in the movie. Um, she was banished for witchcraft in 1785. The directors incorporated that part of the legend along with the allusions to the Salem witch trials and Arthur Miller's 1953 play, The Crucible, um, to play on the themes of injustice done to those who were classified as witches. Hmm. The directors also cited influences such as the television series In Search Of and horror documentary films Chariots of the Gods and The Legend of Boggy Creek. Other influences included commercially successful horror films that almost everybody in the horror universe uh, uses as an influence, which is The Shining, Alien, The Omen, and Jaws. And Jaws was actually a major influence as the film hides the witch from the viewer for the entirety of the movie, which increases the suspense of the unknown. And I believe we talked about it um, before when I was talking about the, um, the shark attacks that inspired Jaws, but... Uh, while they were filming the movie, the shark malfunctioned, so they couldn't show the shark as much as they wanted to in the movie. So that led to it being uh, this thing that like it was only shown every once in a while, and which ended up making the movie so much more impactful because like it, you kept hearing the music and like maybe seeing a fin, but you never actually like saw the shark. So because of this malfunctioning set piece, pretty much, uh, it became a much bigger deal of a movie than it would be if you had seen the shark throughout the entire film. So the, uh, the directors of this movie of Blair Witch Project saw this and was like, okay, we can make this a terrifying movie without actually having like somebody in shitty makeup pop out or like, um, some weird alien, like it almost will take you out of the movie if you have like a villain that you've been building up, building up, building up, and then it doesn't meet your expectations. Yeah. And like we said in the beginning, like, like what the critics consensus said, something that you create in your head is going to be so much scarier than what they could ever put on film. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So, um, principal photography began on October 23rd, 1997. There was a 10 to 15 member cast and crew that set up base at a house in Germantown, Maryland. That was co-director Ed Sanchez, um, the house that he shared with his girlfriend and they were there for six weeks. So, wow. God bless that girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So people slept on couches on and on the floor and, um, there was an eight day, 24 hour operation that was like the actual like filming period. Um, wow. And like I had said before, this wasn't like a normal film. Uh, the actors were going to work the cameras. They were going to film each other the entire time. Mm-hmm. And using GPS, the directors led them to locations marked with um, like little 
flags like you know when they right. when they like put something in the ground um they would have like these little flags with like milk crates and that's where they were supposed to like leave their footage and pick up their food and directing notes so this was like a hands-off filming oh wow yeah the action the actual actors had to like camp they were given food by the production they weren't really told of anything else that was going on besides like note saying like okay now you have to be mad at this person or do do something like this i'll get to it but um that's crazy yeah there were some notes that said um heather you're absolutely sure that you have to get out of this mess and go south don't take no for an answer and like she and heather wouldn't show the note to josh and then josh would get a note that said somewhere along the way today you've had it with all this bullshit and like like one sentence notes that's like you have to create this whole scenario out of this one sentence. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So other than that, the three actors had the freedom to just decide how they wanted to play it. And the directors only really intervened if they felt that they needed to tone things down. Um, then there were also, I guess you could, they were described in the article as gags, quote unquote, <laughs> that the crew would pull. But it's literal like torture. So, yeah, so the actors would go to sleep for the night. They'd set up their tent. They'd go to sleep for the night. And then the crew would pull out these boom boxes of, like, children's voices in the middle of the woods, or they would shake the tent, or they would do some other fucked up shit at night. So Mm -mm. fuck that. No. Yeah. And there was no real filming schedule because (laughs) it was just supposed to be these actors, like, filming each other and making shit up on the spot, and everyone was improvising everything. And um, because there was so like the line between like real and movie was so thin. Um, the three actors had to come up with a safe word so that if they needed to talk about something serious, they, they knew that it was like, this is when we have to be real. And this is not part of whatever we're trying to create. And their safe word is my favorite. It's taco. Oh, isn't that a great safe word? That should it's be a good safe word. Can that be our safe word? It is. Taco just makes oh. you feel safe. It does. <laughs> it's comforting. Yeah. Uh, but actually, um, actor Josh Leonard said, "Quote: We regretted that by about day three. It just kept reminding <laughs> us how hungry we were." Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Um, <laughs> another thing. Uh, I was reading another article that said um, the actors got lost immediately, like from minute one. Uh, There's like the very beginning shot of them like going into the forest and like starting uh, their trek. Like the very beginning of the movie, they're interviewing people in the town. But once they start going into the forest, the very first shot of them leaving the car, like walking away from the car, they were already going in the wrong direction. (laughs) (laughs) And so they got lost for roughly an hour. <laughs> oh, I love it. I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not going to bode well for this uh <laughs> this whole film. Sounds like uh, actors. It's it's a wonder that they lived through this. It's yep. crazy. Um in an article for The Guardian, actress Heather Donahue said of the filming, quote, "Making the movie was, except for the wet days, a joy. It was a scrappy mm. punk rock affair as any movie making could be." The producers skulked about in camouflage with boomboxes, blasting children's voices. They bound blood and teeth with twigs, hung stick men, dropped notes uh, with the next essential conflict they wanted us um, 
they wanted from us in a milk crate marked with a bicycle flag so that we could find it end quote so i'm glad she's having fun because that yeah. sounds like a fucking nightmare, nightmare. yes 100 yeah. percent. yeah um the production was so loose that the directors weren't even sure what the film's climactic ending scene was going to be until just days before shooting it oh so they were like, yeah, we're going to make this movie. We're going to spend all this money on like all the film and like paying the actors and the blah, 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 blah. But we don't know how it's going to end. So let's just wing just, it. Uh, they are so lucky. Right. Myrick told BuzzFeed News, quote, we had no idea how we were going to end the movie. And what we knew was what we didn't want. We knew we didn't want like a freaking alien to come out of the woodwork or some bad witch costume or something like that, end quote. So the Jaws effect, you don't want to really see the monster. You no. just want your mind to create something scary. Right. So ultimately, Myrick and Sanchez landed on the unsettling ending at the Blair Witch House, which is actually the historic Griggs House, which is a 200 year old building located in the uh, Potap. Patapsco, I think that's how you say it. It's in Maryland. Sure. Uh, Patapsco Valley State Park near Granite, Maryland. Uh, if you've seen the movie, it's fucking horrifying. Uh, it's like this creepy, boarded up, abandoned building in the middle of the fucking woods. Oh, nice. Perfect for a horror movie ending. Perfect in general. Yeah. So, spoiler alert, the ending of the movie is them in this house. The characters are being attacked by an unseen force off camera. But the actors were still kept in the dark until they actually set foot in the creepy abandoned building. So they didn't know how this movie was going to end either. Um, Michael Williams explained how how horrible he felt knowing that his direction that he had gotten like the day before from like his little drop notes was to run away from Heather inside the haunted house, leaving her terrified and screaming. Aww. And it gets to the point where like, if you've seen the end of this movie and if you've seen the house, I'd want to know where the acting stops because (laughs) that place, it's the middle of the fucking night. It's in this creepy house. Like, you don't know if you could, like, fall through the floor of this place. It's fucking terrifying. And they run down to the cellar of this place. No, you don't. Oh, my God. Yeah. White people. So, as Williams reached the basement of the house, he recalled being thrown to the ground by one of the film's producers, saying, uh, quote, And I remember just feeling the sense of relief, and he's whispering in my ear, Get up. Go stand in the corner. Go stand in the corner. End quote. So. Jesus. Yeah. Um. So that's the iconic ending of the movie where he's standing in the corner, just like facing the wall, Heather's screaming, and then all of a sudden the camera gets knocked to the ground and then that's it. Um, And to make it even creepier, filming concluded on Halloween night, 1997. Uh, Yeah. Can you also imagine like some kid, like some teenagers, like they don't want to go trick or treating. They're too cool for it. They're going to go hang out in the woods and smoke weed. Can you imagine hearing the screaming coming from this abandoned house? You don't know something's filming in there. It's Halloween night. You think somebody's getting fucking axe murdered. Fuck that shit. It's just scary for everyone involved and not involved. Um, but again, Heather Donahue with like the, a plus outlook on this whole thing she said of the last night of filming quote we went to denny's on halloween after we wrapped and ate in the company of pirates and cats and sexy witches the only witches seen during the production the next Uh. year people were dressed as us end quote 
Whoa, yeah. that's meta. Um, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, though. Well, yeah, because uh, Donahue later said of her death in the in the movie, um, "quote It was a collaborative spirit of production that made my death feel especially violent. It's a strange thing to get no credit where credit is deeply due. By strange, I mean shitty." we were supposed to be really scared so we weren't actors but all of us were formally trained we improvised all dialogue from an outline but we weren't the writers we shot it and independently independently provided the impetus for many of the scenes you see in the film but we were not directors while this work became record-breakingly profitable that uh what we were was dead end quote so i'm gonna get into the the marketing and everything later on but they marketed this movie pretty much to say these three people are dead. This is a true story and these people don't exist. And oh, so shit. these three actors pretty much wrote, directed, uh, filmed, and acted their own movie. And when it comes out, everyone just thinks they're dead. Yeah, and the the two men take the credit. I just... Uh, yeah. Yikes. That's That's a... That's yeah, it's pretty shitty. Uh, Heather Donahue, um, I, th- I don't know if it was directly after this, but she did quit. She quit acting and actually grows medical marijuana. She has oh. her, yeah, she actually wrote a memoir called Grow Girl. Um, I don't Aww. know if I included it anywhere in here, but um, you should definitely uh, read it because uh, she talks about like be, like going from being an actress to growing medical marijuana is like quite quite a, a a turn of events yeah um but she wrote this article that i'm going to reference more when the like reboot of the blair witch project came out uh like the recent one from like 2016 and how reboot? it just not it, it's not really a reboot i think it was technically supposed to be a a sequel but it's just called Blair Witch. It's not called Blair Witch 2, Blair Witch 3, whatever. I'll get to, like, the sequels in a little bit. Nope, um, don't like but that. she, in this one article, I believe it was in The Guardian, I have it referenced here, that um, when she was told about this movie that was coming into production, it just started, like, bringing up all these things. She's like, I've, I've tried to get out of the public eye for so long, and now all of this stuff is coming back again, and, like, it, mm. it's going to, like, overtake my life. I'll get to it. Um, but basically, for the post-production of the, of the movie, after filming, the 20 hours of raw footage had to be cut down to only two and a half hours, and the editing process took more than eight months. Uh, I mean, yeah, they probably that's... had to comb through a lot of bullshit. I was going to say, that's like, <laughs> you've got, t- presumably, let's call it like 12 hours of footage at least every day from all of those and you don't know what you're looking for and you have to make it into a linear story yeah 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 uh so that sucks (laughs) um yeah so director myrick said uh quote there's a common misunderstanding that not a lot went into it but it took uh two years of effort to make it look like it was shot by three people over a long weekend end quote which is like a testament to their editing it really does look like a homemade production but it was it was fully like edited and like heavily like story driven like they had to comb through all the shit like we said so um yeah i mean eight months to like comb through 20 hours of footage 
it's a minute it's, it's a bit it sounds like it sucks but it, it ultimately paid off in the end yeah um sanchez said quote the prime directive was that we had um that the film had to look completely real the lighting had to make sense the sound couldn't be great there wasn't going to be a soundtrack it was just edited footage end quote and the director screened the first cut in small film festivals in order to get feedback and make changes that would ensure that it appealed to large audiences originally it was hoped that the film would make it onto cable television and the directors didn't anticipate a wide release the final version was submitted to the sundance film festival and after becoming a surprise hit at Sundance during its midnight premiere on January 25th, 1999, oh, there was a... It. They got to do it at midnight. Yeah, of course. There oh. was uh, apparently a line around the block and out into the parking lot for the first screening. Yeah, wow. that's how big the buzz had gotten. Um, Artisan en- Entertainment bought the distribution rights for $1.1 million. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, Artisan had wanted to change the film's original ending as the test audiences were um, puzzled, even though they were scared. Um, and again, the ending is that uh, Heather Donahue screams and finds uh, Michael Williams facing the corner in the basement, and then she's knocked to the ground. The camera gets knocked to the ground. You can hear her scream for a little bit longer, and then it just cuts out to like silence. And then the, the video cuts out. It is confusing especially the first time you watch it it's it's terrifying and unsettling but you're like wait what did happen yeah but i think that's also a point of like the found footage genre it's like Mm -hmm. there's not going to be a a nice fade to black the end moment like that's how home movies end they just cut yeah well and it's if they're going for that like creating this horrific thing in your mind like going in that direction yeah it doesn't make sense to have like a concrete ending exactly yeah because you want the the audience to create everyone's going to create their own ending of what happened Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you want to have that confusion and unsettling feeling um but uh after artisan entertainment said they wanted to change the original ending the directors and williams traveled back to maryland and shot four alternate endings uh one of which was like a a more gory ending but they ultimately decided to keep the original and myrick said quote what makes us fearful is that something that's out of the ordinary unexplained the first ending Mm. kept the audiences off balance it challenged our real world conventions and that's what really made it scary end quote so basically, like we said, makes you create whatever you want in your own mind. Yeah. Um, now to the cost part. So Ew. in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Sanchez revealed that when principal photography first wrapped, approximately $20,000 to $25,000 had been spent. Richard Corliss of <laughs> Time Magazine reported a $35,000 estimated budget so by september 2016 the blair witch project has officially been budgeted at sixty thousand dollars okay and post-production fees increased the cost of the film to several hundred thousand dollars before its sundance debut after marketing costs the total cost of the film has been estimated ranging between five hundred thousand and seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars still pretty cheap still pretty cheap to date the film has made nearly 250 million dollars yeah so uh 
I would say that this movie more than any other probably inspired more filmmakers because people who are in college or like just graduating high school could see this and go, I have this like shitty camera from like Radio Shack. I can get a couple friends. We can go and do something real low budget, real scary and make something. And uh, I think it, it, it made people um, definitely more creative with a tighter budget. And mm-hmm. like we said, this inspired an entire genre. Like Paranormal Activity would not be a movie if Blair Witch Project had not come before it. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing what that made the movie so highly anticipated and so successful was the marketing. And... Um, the Blair Witch Project is thought to be the first widely released film marketed primarily by the internet, which is very interesting. Oh. Yeah. So Kevin Fox became the executive producer in May 1998 and brought in Klein and Walker, a public relations firm, and the film's official website launched in June 1998. And part of the buzz surrounding the movie was in large part due to the website suggesting that these student documentary makers really had disappeared, like I said. And the website featured faux police reports as well as newsreel style interviews and fielding questions about the missing students. Um, The line between fact and fiction was so blurred. It was widely believed that these people were actually missing. And Myrick uh, even got a call from a New York police officer who had worked in Maryland for years and wanted to help. And Myrick had to tell him it was all fake. Yeah. But that's so sweet. It's very sweet, but it fooled an actual police officer. So that's fucking wild. Yeah. And like the internet was just like a little baby thing back then. So like, yeah. you, like there was no we deep fake. dialing was, up. Yeah. There was no IMDB. There was no like, like now you can search for all this stuff. So yeah. It, yeah. So um, one of the stars of the movie, Michael Williams even said, quote, uh, some people definitely believe that the film was real. Even people that knew my family back then, end quote. <sighs> he said that his family was getting like condolence phone calls from people. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. People that like actually knew him. And he was like, oh, no, I'm alive. <laughs> oh, I would love to just milk that for all it's worth. Right. So much. Oh my God. But then he talks like, um, another interview that I saw with him talks about how, um, People had never been more pissed off to find out somebody was alive because like people wanted it to be real. People wanted this terrifying thing to be like based on true events. Like, right. Well, because then that means that witches are real. It means ghosts are real. It means that all of these things, they also don't like the audience doesn't want to be taken advantage of. If they're told something is based in reality, they want that to to be be the reality. Yes. Um, But like I said before, this type of marketing could only be done in a pre-social media era. This couldn't be done now. Sanchez said in an interview, um, quote, now it wouldn't work. One could easily find out on the Internet that Heather from Blair Witch was an actress named Heather Donahue who hadn't disappeared at all, end quote. Um, but the team was dedicated to keeping the mystery alive at the time. They monitored the site's message boards and um, early internet outposts for horror fans to share theories and debate their so-called evidence. 
Sanchez, Myrick, Manello, and another producer, Greg Hale, started an email newsletter for more loyal browsers and galvanized its hardcore fan base. And they added details to the site as necessary. So they were just like spitting out like little bits of information to try to like keep this like legend going. And then as people are on like the fucking five websites that are online at, at this point, um, they're they're latching onto it and like you could see like even back then the age of like the internet sleuths wanting to like help figure out what this mystery is is like being born and a week before the feature's wide release myrick and sanchez debuted a separate faux documentary called the curse of the blair witch on the sci-fi channel and it added oh. to the myth by using interviews and archival materials that they had cut from the movie and was not presented as fiction. So they made this documentary, The Curse of the Blair Witch, put it on sci-fi, didn't say that it was it, fictional, and then this movie, and then Blair Witch Project comes out a week later. So wow. part of their marketing was a whole other fucking documentary. Oh, that's that's some extremely wicked, extremely loud, incredibly close and yeah, vile shit. Right? Like, that's... Ooh. I'll talk about it a little more later, but basically, it detailed the backstory for the Blair Witch, which describes the killings and disappearances of some of the residents of Blair, Ma uh, Blair Maryland, which is the fictitious town um, on the site of Burkittsville, Maryland, um, from the 18th to the 20th centuries. Residents blame these occurrences on the ghost of Ellie Kedward, a Blair resident accused of practicing witchcraft in 1785 and sentenced to death by exposure. So that was all in this fake documentary that was presented as real, <laughs> which is nice. nuts. Um, the Blair Witch Project, as you can imagine, it was nominated for a ton of awards, won a bunch of awards. Some of those include um, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards in 2000 for uh, Heather Donahue as the Best Actress, the Film Independent Spirit Awards in 2000 for Best First Film Under $500,000, oh, and wow. the Cannes Film Festival 1999 Best Foreign Film Award of the Youth. Ooh, yeah. that's cool. Um, and then there were some... Uh oh. Sequels. Uh, so obviously, if you have something so profitable that was made for like such little money, yep. a production company is going to be like, make this again and make yep. it better and make it yep. make more money. Yep. That's um, why we have like how many Ice Ages now? Well, 62? Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 <laughs> came out in 2000, just a year after the original movie oh you want to guess what the rotten tomato score is 13 so fucking close it's 14 percent. oh shit oh yeah. i love it audience oh, score it. of 18 percent. so it was universally panned by both critics and yep. audiences yep for some you reason a fucking 63 percent google score because google no because Google is the outlier. We can never trust I know. Google for this particular thing. You and I know this. We've been doing this for how many years now? And uh, 3.9 out of 10 on IMDb. So a little bit yeah. ugh. Uh, I'd like to highlight a couple of the actors in any of the movies that I talk about. Lots of these people, when I looked up their, um, like, on Rotten Tomato, you can, like, see, like, with their, like, fresh, yeah. like, their top movie and their lowest movie. 
yeah. all these people had like relatively low uh rated movies well yeah because they wanted to pay you said before they wanted to make a movie that cost the same amount but earned the same amount therefore yeah. they're not gonna get like brad pitt well they did get lots of these people guest starred on a lot of famous stuff like um kim director uh was in this movie she guest starred in a bunch of stuff including the good wife orange is the new black um jeffrey donovan who's the guy the burn oh, notice guy i know him yeah and he was in he, the changeling that we talked yeah, about yeah he was and i think he also murders. likes to hit people oh does he i think so i think Ugh. that's the one he has the if face if not he's gonna sue me but he has the face of someone who's not a nice dude yeah uh erica learson who was in the texas chainsaw massacre remake uh was in this movie and Ooh. do you want to know who directed this movie? Jet Li. A friend of a friend of the podcast. We talk about him all oh. the time. Joe Berlinger. D oh. <laughs> I started to say Doug Jones. <laughs> Doug Jones? He didn't direct it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, yeah, Joe Berlinger, director of... Um, extremely, extremely Loud, loud Incredibly and Close, and Vile, and yeah. Wicked. <laughs> extremely yeah. Wicked, Vile whatever that, and incredibly close whatever that fucking ted bundy movie is and the ted bundy tapes and paradise yeah. lost and a bunch of like as i was looking through his uh credits a bunch of other like true crime shit he's like a huge true yeah. crime dude yeah but then there's this um i'm sorry i'm pulling up my sleeves it's hot she's gotta now. roll up her sleeves <laughs> she's getting serious <sighs> the critics consensus of this movie is quote this sequel to the Blair Witch Project is all formula and no creativity, mechanically Ooh. borrowing elements from the original and other horror movies, end quote. Yikes. And if you're like me and have never bothered to watch this, the synopsis is, quote, as it follows the twisted path traveled by five people fixated on the Blair Witch Project, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, journeys into the dark and dangerous place where the line between truth and fiction blurs and perhaps vanishes altogether. Individual perception grows increasingly untrustworthy as the film's protagonists find themselves caught in a vortex of unspeakable evil, the origins of which, human or supernatural, remain chillingly uncertain. Dun-dun-dun. Okay. Yeah. So that's that piece of garbage. Anyway, it's, ah. uh, you know what? I've heard people say it's actually pretty good. Smoke a bowl, watch it. See, tell me what you think. Ah. Um, then there was there was rumblings of a Blair Witch uh -oh. three. So on September second, two thousand nine, Ed Sanchez and Daniel Myrick announced their intent to produce Blair Witch three. The film would be a direct sequel to the first film. Uh, would potentially contain the actors from the first film in some context and would not reference any of the events of Book of Shadows given the film's status as a film within a film. So they were like, we don't need to reference this because it's a film within. So. Okay. Yeah. In 2011, Sanchez remarked that further development on a sequel depending on getting Lionsgate to approve the idea and for his and Myrick's uh, scheduled to match up so it doesn't that was in 2011 it doesn't seem like anything is going to happen with that nope. i did a lot of research into this topic and didn't see any more new rumblings of what that would be yeah but in 2016 a movie was released called blair witch 
It has a Rotten Tomato score of 37%. An audience score of 31% with nearly 13,000 ratings. So, oof. Yep. Another Google score, 67%. Uh, Jesus Christ. But it has a 5 out of 10 on IMDb, so it's like a 50-50. Um, Some of the actors in this movie, a little step up from Blair Witch 2. We have uh, James Allen... I think his name is McCune. Uh, He was in The Walking Dead. He was Jimmy in The Walking Dead, like the second season when they're at the farm. I know you don't know, but other people I was going to say, I was like, don't look at me like that because we both know I haven't seen it. He was also in How to Get Away with Murder and the U.S. version of Shameless, I believe. Oh, I know the U.S. version of Shameless. Yes. Who was he in that? Couldn't tell you. Didn't look that one up. Okay, never (laughs) mind. Um, there's also Callie Hernandez, who played a small part in, I don't know if I was actually a small part, in La La Land. Uh, and then there's Probably. Brandon Scott, who was in Dead to Me. He was oh, the, uh, um, he was the boyfriend of, of, what's her name? Linda Cardellini. He was like the, the was he boyfriend. a cop or detective? Oh! Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he's good. Yeah, I like him. This movie's not wonderful, though. Um, the critics' consensus is, quote, Blair Witch doles out a handful of effective scares, but aside from a few new twists, it mainly offers a belated rehash of the original and far more memorable first film, end quote. Mm. Uh, so the synopsis of this movie is, uh, quote, a young man and his friends venture into the Black Hills Forest in Maryland to uncover the mystery surrounding his missing sister. Many believe her disappearance 17 years earlier is connected to the legend of the Blair Witch. At first, the group is hopeful, especially when two locals act as guides through the dark and winding woods. As the night wears on, a visit from a menacing presence soon makes them realize that the legend is all too real and more sinister than they could have ever imagined. End quote. Sounds nice. spooky. Yeah. Um... But it was all, it all culminated basically on July 22nd, 2016, when there was a surprise trailer for Blair Witch revealed at the San Diego Comic-Con. The film was originally marketed as being uh, called The Woods, um, and it was an exclusive surprise announcement for those in attendance to the convention that it was actually like a Blair Witch movie. So nobody knew before like the trailer drops, which is crazy. That's exciting. Yeah. The film uh, distributed by Lionsgate was slated for September 16th release. I don't know if this ended up being the Blair Witch 3 that mm. they had thought up. Um, I don't know if this really follows. I mean, it follows the same universe because um, the main character is like the brother of Heather Donahue. Oh. Yeah. Um, so like I had alluded to earlier, when the film was announced, Donahue was understandably distraught. She had spent a considerable amount of her life trying to distance herself from something that she did, uh, over eight days when she was 24 years old. Um, Mm. it, but it wasn't as bad as she had originally thought. In an article published prior to the release of the sequel, she said, quote, the company that originally bought the Blair Witch Project was purchased by Lionsgate and they're the ones behind this new sequel. They asked me... Uh, They asked what they could do to show me how much they appreciated my work in the original. They made sure my last name wasn't used anywhere. In their press materials, their protagonist goes in search of his sister, but they don't use my name. For all the talk of Hollywood being populated with jerks and sharks, these guys were really actually being considerate and were genuinely concerned that this would not uh, be any more disruptive to my life than was inevitable. 
end quote. Oh, wow. So that was pretty nice. Yeah. But yeah, I can imagine like the panics, like, okay, I did this like one movie for a couple days when I was 24 years old. And now like all of a sudden, like, <laughs> especially in this like post social media era, like yeah, people could easily find her. I mean, she wrote a book, so it's yeah. not like she was trying to really hide what was going on but if you like read her book it basically says like the journey from the blair witch project to growing medical marijuana so it seemed like she didn't really want to be in the hollywood eye and she wanted to just like be her own person and like pave her own path so uh it's good to hear that like the production company wasn't huge assholes about it and posted her name and that snot photo everywhere you know the one of her like with the beanie like shot up yep yep. um I don't think I put this anywhere in the notes, but um, I think during the, there was like a director's commentary on uh, the movie and they were talking about how um, Heather Donahue originally thought that um, her whole face was in that shot. The shot where she's giving that monologue. She thought her whole face was in that shot. She didn't know that she was zoomed in that far, but then like that became the, like the image of all the promotional material, like, yeah. It became the iconic image. It's referenced so many times, which I'll get to. Um, they just referenced it. I was binging Mom up until a couple nights ago. All seven fucking seasons wow. of Mom. We're at that Very level of good quarantine. Show. Yes, we are. Because I finished binging another Alice and Janie series. Bet you can't guess which one. It's the West Wing because what other series Love has it. Alice and Janie done? Mm-hmm. But um, so they they but they lampoon it in like one of the later episodes in the most recent season i'll get to all of the references um there's almost too many to count but i found like a couple really good ones um but there's a ton of pop culture as you can imagine surrounding this oh, yeah several books um Whoa. in september 1999 d.a stern compiled the blair witch project a dossier um and it built on the film's Wait. true story angle i think it's dossier dossier yeah, I think it's, it's spelled D O S S I E R, and you know I can't pronounce things, so it's like it's Garnier. Do- Perfect. Dossier. Okay. Pretty so, sure. The dossier <laughs> consisted of fabricated police reports, pictures, interviews, and newspaper articles presenting the film's premise as fact, as well as further elaboration on the Ellie Kedward and Rustin Parr legends. Um, so basically, it was like everything that was like in the original Blair Witch website, which is now defunct, so you can't actually go to the, that original oh. website anymore. Uh, if you want to go to a fun old website from old uh, internet, the original Space Jam website is still it's active. It's still there, and Check I it out. love it. Uh, if you have mess. children, make them go to that website so they can yes. see what the internet used to be and see how far we've come. Be thankful. Be thankful. But anyway. Uphill both ways. <laughs> there was another dossier created for the Blair Witch 2. The first book has a 3.5 out of 5 on Goodreads, and the second book has a 3.26 out of 5. Um, Stern wrote a another novel in 2000 called Blair Witch, The Secret Confessions of Rustin Parr, and it has a 3.19 out of 5 on Goodreads. He also revisited the franchise with a novel called uh, Blair Witch Graveyard Shift, which features original characters and plot, and that has a 3.43 out of 5 on Goodreads. There is 
a series of eight young adult books entitled The Blair Witch Files that were released by uh, random subsidiary Bantam from 2000 to 2001. The books center on uh, Cade Merrill, uh, a fictional cousin of Heather Donahue who investigates the phenomenon related to The Blair Witch, and she tries to learn what really happened to Heather, Mike, and Josh. The books have an average of a four out of five on Goodreads. Oh. Yeah, pretty good. Young adult yeah. series. I love a good young adult series. Always. Um, there are also several books that go into the making of the movie, which is the part that I find the most fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, they are The Blair Witch Project by Peter Turner, 3.1 out of 5 on Goodreads. Eight Days in the Woods, The Making of the Blair Witch Project by Ma- Matt Blasey. Blasey? Uh, that has a 5 out of 5 on Goodreads. And uh, he, Matt Blasey, uh, actually, I believe I saw in um, an interview, he runs like um, uh, a tour that you can go on in Maryland to some of like the what? filming locations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was in, um, uh, there was an interview with BuzzFeed. I'm going to post it on the website because I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's really good. Um, there's also Into the Woods, the definitive story of the Blair Witch Project by Ed Potton with a mm-hmm. 3.4 out of 5 on Goodreads, and then The Blair Witch Project by Russell Gom, with a 3.13 out of 5. There's also comic books. Oh! Yeah. As early as July 1999, Ani Press released a one-shot comic promoting, promoting the film titled The Blair Witch Project Number 1. It was written and illustrated by C.C. Malvey. Um, the comic was released in conjunction with the film. And in October 2000, coinciding with the release of Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, Image Comics released a one-shot called Blair Witch Dark Testaments, drawn by Charlie Adlard, who is uh, the artist for the Walking Dead series. Robert Kirkland's, uh, yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, There are, hold on, I'm scrolling. There's video games, if you can believe it. I, you know, I don't even know why I'm surprised. Yeah. In 2000, Gathering of Developers released a trilogy of computer games based on the film, uh, which greatly expanded on the myths first suggested in the film. The graphic engine and characters were all derived from the producer's earlier game, Nocturne. And the first volume, Rust and Par, received the most praise, ranging from moderate to positive, with critics commending its storyline, graphics, and atmosphere. Some reviewers even claim that the game was scarier than the film. Interesting. Uh, the following volumes, sense. The Legend of Coffin Rock and The Ellie Kedward Tale, were less well-received. And uh, PC Gamer saying that Volume 2's, quote, only saving grace was its cheap price, end quote. Ouch. <laughs> and calling Volume 3, quote, amazingly mediocre, end quote. Aww. Ouch. That's what my gravestone's going to say. <laughs> Amazingly mediocre. <laughs> and mine's going to say only saving grace is cheap price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we got that set up. <laughs> um, at E3 in 2019, uh, Bloober, bl- I think it's Bloober is what it said. These Blubber. game developers have the, yeah. They have weird names. Uh, Bloober <laughs> team introduced Blair Witch, a first-person survival horror game based on the Blair Witch franchise, and it was released on August 30th, 2019. I have heard that it is pretty good because when you try to search for Blair Witch anywhere, screenshots of this game come up. So that means a lot of people are probably playing it. Yeah. Anyway, 
Um, there are some documentaries. Uh, the Woods movie from 2015 is a feature-length documentary exploring the production of the Blair Witch Project. For this documentary, director Russ Gom, who is uh, one of the people that wrote, uh, let's see, the Blair Witch Project book about the making of the movie. Um, he interviewed the original film's producer, Greg Hale, and directors Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrick. Um, there's the documentary that I had talked about earlier that Myrick and Sanchez made prior to the release of the movie, The Curse of the Blair Witch, uh, that told like the quote-unquote true story behind what the Blair Witch was. Uh, right. That has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 79% Google score. And then there was a movie, uh, another mockumentary, sorry, called Shadow of the Blair Witch, which was released in 2000, oh. and it was directed by Ben Rock and was released on the Sci-Fi Channel in conjunction with the release of Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. Blair Witch 2. They tried to do the same thing that um, Myrick and Sanchez did with the first one and release like a mockumentary that was like, this is all real, so this movie coming out is real. But also, it's uh like... No one believes that shit anymore. No. Um, the mockumentary focuses on the murder spree that occurred following the theatrical le release of The Blair Witch. This is fake. There was no yeah. murder spree. Uh, yeah. The doc has a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, on IMDb. And I believe through my research, you can find the whole thing on YouTube. It's about 45 oh, minutes long. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there were also a bunch of parodies so the blair witch project inspired a number of parody films including the bogus witch project the tony blair witch projects uh both came out in 2000 uh the blair thumb which i don't really know what that is it came out in 2001 and okay. not one but two pornographic two. films oh yeah one okay. called the Ero erotic witch project and the bear what? wench project what yeah it's not even clever like that's the thing i don't even want to know uh, no, i don't no, want to no, know no. any details about it uh -uh. i didn't even try to find more nope i was like no nope. just finding Thank the you, titles no. is enough for me yep uh you'll like this one the film also inspired the halloween television special the scooby-doo project which aired yes. during a scooby-doo where are you marathon on cartoon network on halloween 1999 i probably watched it yeah uh, there was also rumblings of a TV show. In October 2017, co-director Eduardo Sanchez revealed that he and the rest of the film's creative team are developing a Blair Witch television series, though he clarified that any decisions would ultimately be up to Lionsgate, um, which now owns the rights. In February 2018, it was announced that the series would be released on the studio's new subsidiary, Studio L, which specializes in digital releases haven't heard anything more than that i don't nope. know if it really exists anymore <laughs> um i highly recommend if you are interested in like hearing backstories of stuff like this there is an episode of wizard and the bruiser podcast that uh, focuses on the blair witch project and basically like similar stuff that we dove into here they're a really good podcast on the last podcast network um and then there are a bunch of references to the Blair Witch Project in many other pop culture things. Um, Blair Witch Project references come up in 
uh, TV shows such as Charmed, Johnny Bravo, Robot Chicken, The Simpsons, Family Guy, Diagnosis Murder, How I Met Your Mother, Psych, Dawson's Creek, The X-Files, and Scary Movie, and apparently Mom. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that one as I was looking. Um, and this is one that actually, like, as I, like, targeted ads, let me tell you, but <laughs> as I was researching this, I got a targeted ad on Facebook for the Hunt a Killer game. Oh, man. So basically, the popular subscription box game has recently partnered with Lionsgate to launch a new season. I guess they're called seasons of yeah. Hunt a Killer. And in this sex, six sex, in this six episode <laughs> game, She's you'll receive about boxes the Bear full Witch of, Project. Yeah. <laughs> Bear Wench Project. Excuse oh, you. Excuse me. Oh, I am so If you say so it wrong, sorry. I'll make you watch it. I No. <laughs> I think that would probably scare me more than the original. To be if anyone's honest. watched it and want to give me your like two sentence review of it, I will read it on our live stream. Yeah, no shaming, no, <laughs> no shaming. shaming. I'll I won't say your name if you don't want me to. But you, you have to have actually seen it. Are. You have actually you have to have actually seen it, not well, just like the two know? minute clip. How are we gonna know? I'll find out. Make Elliot watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to see it because what if you're into it? I, I, I. It's creepy. I no. I thought you just said because what if you're in it? And I was like, what, what? the fuck do you mean by that? No. What if you're into it? You're like I don't want to get a weird struggling, boner. but not that bad. <laughs> anyway, Can we move on. Yes, I'm moving on. <laughs> the six episode game of Hunt a Killer. You'll receive boxes full of realistic evidence, maps, police reports, and more. And this, like, basically this uh, season is, like, the Blair Witch season. So get Hunt a Killer. Super fun. You want to be your own sleuth, figure it out. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Blair Witch, I have definitely seen on Pluto. Um, so you can watch it for free there. I think they have, like, especially in the month of October, I think they have, like, a Halloween, like, a free Halloween channel. Oh. And uh, we have said it before, and we'll say it again. There's no reason not to have Pluto, really, um, because it's free. Yeah. So go ahead and check that out. As I quickly search to see if you can watch it anywhere else. Um, let's see. Um, while I drew that, we are doing a live stream of a horror movie on Halloween. So if you've got nowhere to go. Neither do we. So yeah. we're going to be posting okay. all the information on our social medias, including a poll of which movie we should watch. We're going to choose the movies fucking tonight at the night of recording this. We're oh, choosing. We are? Yes, we're <laughs> choosing movies. We're going to have the poll up for a little while so that everyone can vote. Um, yeah, a couple uh, days. Yeah. On some dope movies for us to watch. Keep in mind, they have to be public domain. We don't want to like have to like pay any crazy rights or anything like that so mm -mm. the movies we're suggesting are kind of the only options we have um but before we go you can watch the blair witch project it's showing on tbs it's showing on tnt you can watch it if you've got hulu premium subscription sling tv you can get it you can rent it on voodoo and amazon prime video and youtube and itunes and sure. google play movies and tv and i think that's it or you can buy like a weird VHS of it. Hmm. I think I had a weird VHS of it. I clear. I remember seeing it when oh. it was still like 
I mean, obviously, I didn't see it in 1999. I was too young. But I remember seeing it when, like, it was still, like, you know this is real, right? You know this is, like, real. Uh, yeah. I don't. And I remember I watching remember it, it at a sleepover with people. And we were, like, I had seen it once before. And, like, these How other two people. How old were you? Uh, I was probably. We were in. We were in, like, the seventh grade, I think. Okay. I'm thinking, like, in 1999 when you were, like, five seven <laughs> math i i i i was seven seven okay yeah, I, I didn't did see it. It. i did i it. didn't see it when i was seven okay that's where i was like uh i did see it when i was like 12 which is probably ah no you know what that's probably that's good for this movie this movie like i said it's not there's not gore there's like there's the one moment where she like unwraps like the little thing there's and there's the like bundle. hair and twigs and blood in it and teeth and like that's nice. basically as gory as the movie gets it's just creepy uh, it's fine okay it's fine still not gonna watch it but okay um yeah so i'm gonna post more information the stuff that i couldn't remember it's gonna be on the website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com you can find links to all of our social media there we're on facebook we're also on instagram and we're on twitter and we have a patreon and yeah. we have we have new patreon people that i'm so we excited do. for and i love you guys and especially in this current uh, world that we're living in anyone who even listens to the podcast if you want to donate money you're amazing and you're the coolest people do but even like listening and sharing and messaging us saying like hey i love the podcast i love this moment specifically and you're my favorite people makes our i mean i'm not putting day. words into your mouth but like Give us those messages. They give You're me life. You're my favorite people, Haley. I have to go to work every day. And you know what? It sucks. <laughs> and getting you know some what? Of those... Count your fucking blessings, Haley. <laughs> I, I mean, I would never say that, like, having a job is the worst. Obviously, like, everybody that's going through, like, job loss right now, it's the fucking worst. I'm just teasing. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Yeah. But now I feel bad because I definitely downplayed my uh, privilege no but also if for those who don't know Haley works for pawnee like that's the official place that she works yeah i reference parks and rec my love for parks and rec a lot and it's because i work in that place i work yes. with annoying people and uh for ridiculous people so yes yes 100 <laughs> percent. it's super fun but sometimes you get some good phone calls sometimes i get some dumb phone calls but i love <laughs> if i'm sitting at work and then all of a sudden bloop bloop a message pops up and be like hey i like the podcast and i'm like oh my god get me out of here <laughs> uh yeah so it makes me feel good so uh do that um and then i think we're done i mean not with spooktober but i'm we're definitely not done with spooktober episode a little yeah. inside baseball <laughs> we have what? a it, like i'm it, sorry what inside baseball you never heard that phrase before no oh anyway what uh, <laughs> what just is like that a little like peek behind the curtain you've heard that one yes um, but what does that have to do with baseball we have i'm i'm skipping past you now we have a because <laughs> we're already over time we have a spreadsheet of all of the episodes we have to work on and everyone that's come out and like we're very organized but sometimes <laughs> We, we missed something, and much like we forgot to add October 1st to our schedule, 
I, I won't even say we, I, because I managed the schedule, forgot to add October 27th. I forgot it was a day. Forgot it was even in there. I just love that we did it twice. <laughs> so guess what? I have to do a whole new episode now. I offered. That she we says could do as it her together. eyes turn wide and cross. Yeah. <laughs> Haley's going to start twitching in about two minutes. Yeah. So I thought I was ahead of the game and turns out I'm behind. So hey, I'm going to go now. Aren't we all. I'm going to go now so I can work on that episode. And those movies, apparently. Yep. And yep. we will see you on Thursday. Yep. Okay, bye. Bye.